when I very first got into strength and conditioning, I worked as a restricted earnings coach. I made after taxes, $22,000 soup to nuts, and I'd had no dental or healthcare benefits. There you go right here. You can type in the school that you're potentially looking at, EPO, PPO, and you can research it before you get hired. It gets back to the four Ps. It's pay, personal life, career progression, sense of greater purpose. So if you can then understand if the pay is fixed, but you have a really good personal life because you're not required to you know, guard your desk, you have a good career progression because you have a good title and you have upward mobility. What's up, Strength Coaches? Welcome back to another Finance Friday where we change the name to Strength Coach Net Worth. As we've said before, this is not financial advice. Do your own research. Talk to a financial advisor, financial planner. We are simply talking about things from the lens as a strength and conditioning coach, sports performance coach, things that I have seen. We've bringing in other people to talk to you about these things for you to go and do your own research, just like we do with Research Tuesday. When we do our Research Tuesday, we are not actually having... Um, we're not doing the work for you. We're talking about it, Greg Lutton and I, so you can go and do some own research with your staff. Same thing with this, go and do your own research. We're gonna talk about things that we've done. And I wanna preface all of this with the fact that when I very first got into strength and conditioning, all right, I worked as a restricted earnings coach. I made $22,000 a year. That's after taxes, so $22,000 soup to nuts, and I'd had no dental or healthcare benefits. So at that time, yeah, your boy was making sure that I was not doing anything overly risky, had to brush my teeth, floss all the time because did not want to have to have any dental work or anything because I did not have any of that. And it was before any of the Obamacare stuff. So your boy was by himself. Then I graduated and had my own real job, right? That, that's kind of what I say when I went to Iowa. I was able to get full-time salary, um, moved up to being able to actually have dental benefits and a 401k. I was like, Oh snap, I'm a big boy. I'm grown up now. I have all these things. And that's what I want to focus on on this show is I want to focus in on how you get your benefits, how you select your benefits when you first get hired, because I feel like that's something that a never gets really talked about in the world of strength and conditioning. And then B is something that just gets kind of shoved down your throat. The minute you get hired, it's like, Oh, Hey, here's orientation on this day, or, you know, figure out these kind of life changing and really important decisions, especially if you have a wife and especially if you have some kids, um, and that's where we're focusing in here. So how to make your selections of when you get hired. So at your orientation day, chances are, I mean, it could be your very first day at work. It could be a weekend, two weeks in, who knows if it's your first day, like it was for um, me at Towson. Technically, yeah, if a lot of times it's your first day at Towson. So it's your first day, the minute you get hired, you're overwhelmed. You're already trying to figure out where do I park? What do I do? And it's like, oh, picking my benefits. Like, what does any of this stuff mean? Especially if you're coming in and been just in the college sector and it's just like, hey, sign this piece of paper and you don't really know what else you're doing. You're like, man, what do I, I don't understand any of this stuff. I've heard people say max out your 401k and what is a 403b? I've never heard of these things. Like, we're going to kind of talk about them from a super high level. We'll use the Google machine to help us out as we do this. So starting off, if you got to understand, are you single? Are you married? Are you married with kids? And you need to then look into what is the school offering? And the reason I say this is when I was at Iowa, uh, the University of Iowa benefits are like unrivaled. And I think that's something that is talked about not only in the state of Iowa, but it's something that might be known other places. But in Iowa, um, 
first of all, the retirement was unbelievable. It was, they take 5% of your salary, but then they double it at 10%. And actually let's rewind and talk about your different 401ks. Most likely they're going to have like a local option. Um, and then they'll have like a bigger organization. So it might be something local, like here in Iowa, it was, I believe it was called IPERS where it was Iowa retirement plan and it's vested and it's almost secured after 20 years. And it's pretty unbelievable, but then it's not as easily transferable, more difficult. Cause again, it's meant for people that are going to live in the state, stay in the state versus something bigger, more nationwide, something like nationwide or TIAA craft where it is easily transferable from one place to another. So if you think you're going to get hired, only be here for a little bit, look into those options and understand, okay, where do you see yourself? Is this something that you're going to be here for a while or something that you might be in and out? That's going to first determine your retirement plan that you select. So getting back to the situation at Iowa, where you want to find out what the contribution is, what the match is uh, at Iowa, it was, again, they take 5% of your salary, put it into your 401k, but then they doubled it. And it, was, it wasn't like certain amounts. It was just preset. Hey, they take five, but they're going to double and put in 10. Pretty unbelievable that an uh, employer would do that. At Towson, they did not take out any money. They just put in seven and a half of your salary. Again, pretty unbelievable that they're not taking any money, but they're going to put in that much for you. So that was a really nice thing. And that's something that you want to look into. You then also want to look into a 403B, all right? So 403B is going to be a, it's again, it's going to be pre-taxed money, but that's where they're, that's where people talk about um, maxing out your, your 401k, maxing out your supplemental retirement uh, account. People might call it SRA, but 403B, the, I believe it's $20,000 is the most that you can put in, but we're going to use the Google machine right here. So 403B max contribution 2024. All right, $23,000. So it has changed. If you're under the age of 50, the annual contribution limit is 23,000. If you're older than 50, you may contribute an extra $7,500. So it's called a catch up. My father did catch up um, when he was working at his store. So if you take 23,000, and you divide that, so it's going to be just under $2,000 a month. If you're somebody that gets paid monthly, so let's take 23000 divide it by 12. There you go. So uh, 1916 so just around $1,900 per month you could put in to max this out. And this is, again, something you have to make sure that you can financially afford to put that much money away into your retirement. Maybe that's not an option for you. Maybe it is just small amounts, but being able to pre-tax put this in to then invest it later, that's something that you're going to want to look into. Um, or if you get paid biannually, so typically that's 26 payments. Let's do that math for you real quick. 23,000 divided by 26. So that'd be $884 every pay period taken out, put into this maxed out SRA. So that is something that you guys want to look into, figure out, A, how do you get paid? What's up, Strength Coaches? Taking a quick break away from the show to let you know about our membership site. Not only do we at Strength Coach Network put out the Cheeky Midweeky, but we have a membership site where you gain access to a video library and a members-only forum. Inside the video library, you will have access to over 170 different lectures, which equals over 400 hours of content. Inside of these content, it is every sport you could think of and every topic in strength and conditioning. In our members-only forum, we have career advice and we have topics in strength and conditioning where coaches ask each other questions and we help each other inside the network. You can try the network out for 24 hours for $1 if you are not a member. Click the link down below and you will be able to check us out. 
Uh, is it bi is it biweekly? Is it monthly? So that way you know what your contributions are going to be. Figure out what the retirement vehicle is going to be. Do you think you're going to be local and you want to look into the local option at the university you're working at, or is it something that you want to be uh, moving around and you're probably looking at TIA or nationwide. If you pick either one, understand that that you'll be able to schedule an appointment with those advisors. They they kind of contractually have to do that at least once, um, maybe once a year. So look into the fine prints on those as well. So that's the retirement stuff. <clears throat> Might get triggered some more thoughts as we go about this. Um, Another thing that we're going to talk about with it is now the the healthcare stuff, because that's also important. Again, whether you're an individual or you have a family, and again, this is coming from a guy who had no dental, no medical coverage at my very first job, then I finally got it in Iowa and uh, Towson, and then saw it where also the assistants at Towson, as we were creating those same unrestricted earnings, they would get dental and medical, but they had to pay for it out of pocket after tax and it would be not as it wasn't as expensive but they still had to pay for it so understanding what the the stipulations are of the situation that you're in all right and if you have questions ask the hr rep and you can slow things down and maybe take longer at your orientation that's something that i'd advise i did not do that but that's something that i would um, recommend so the very first thing that's going to come up is okay what do you, what kind of network do you have? Like what is right for you for your healthcare plan? You're probably going to hear things like HMO, PPO, EPO. You might hear things high deductible or just regular. Um, but the, the biggest thing that you're going to see probably is the price. And most of the time with the EPO, it's more budget friendly and it costs less than a PPO. And in a broad scale, your EPO is going to be, less money, but they probably want you to be going in network and that there's going to be certain places that they want you to go for your healthcare. Now, if you're just like, Hey, listen, I want to find it. Like they they'll give you a list of people that are covered for, uh, you know, doctors and dentists, both yourself, uh, for adults and for children. And then what you would then do is go do the research. Like, Oh, let me Google this place. What, how rating are they? What are they good? What are they bad? And you can kind of interview them and figure out what places you want to go to. So to say that the EPO, you're going to get less care, um, uh, less quality care. I disagree with that. When I was at, um, when I was at Iowa, I actually went to the college of dentistry right across the street from the facility. And they're like, Oh, do you mind? I'm like, no, like obviously these students need to learn how to, you know, clean teeth and get better, blah, blah, blah. Like I wasn't just throwing myself out there to a bunch of nobodies. Cause there's obviously a, a dentist there cleaning and a hygienist, hygienist working as well. And then the dentist comes in and all that. So don't think that if you get the EPO, you're paying less money and you're going to get a less quality care again. That's just my two cents. Figure it out for yourself. Um, but essentially the EPO is going to cost less because they're more restrictive. It's probably going to be more localized to where they want you to go. Obviously ER visits change. If you were traveling somewhere and had to go to the ER, that's an exception. Um, but the PPO will give you more flexibility. It's probably a little bit wider of a network, but it is going to be, um, much more, it's going to be more, ex more expensive, right? So like you're not required to stay in the network, um, and that's, that's kind of the high level of it that I can, you know, help you out with it. If you go to the Google machine and you type in what's better EPO, PPO, right? There's, there's options, there's blogs from, uh, let's see, MetLife, 
Cigna, Covered California, Atena, right? So like you can f- research it on your own. Again, like I said, that's the whole point of all of this is to help you kind of spark some thoughts if you're getting a new job or, or somebody's getting a new job, like where to research. Look into the differences of the EPO. You could probably even look in, let me go EPO versus PPO, Towson University. And like, there you go right here. You can type in the school that you're potentially looking at, EPO, PPO, and you can research it before you get hired. So that's something that I would recommend doing right there. Go ahead, all right? I'll say it again. When you're going to get hired somewhere new and you're in in the interview process, not only look into what the philosophy is of the school, if you wanna know healthcare-wise coverage, EPO, PPO, you can do that by typing in EPO versus PPO, the university you're looking at, and you can be able to research it before you go there. That's something that I would look into if you're moving and you have a family. Another thing that you should then be researching is what is the FSA, HSA, if you have a family. FSA, flexible spending account, HSA, healthcare spending account. So for the FSA, it's more flexible, but there is certain, like they have, again, certain things that you can and can't use with it. So FSA um, and HSA and FSA both help you save for qualified medical expenses. HSA have higher contribution and allow you to carry funds forward. You're only eligible to enroll in HSA health plan. FSA have lower contribution and generally can't carry over funds. So for the FSA, um, flex spending, again, at Iowa, they gave you a certain amount of money into that account. It was like $140 into a flexible spending account every month. And at the end of the year, though, if you didn't spend it, it was gone. Now, excuse me, the beautiful part about that was the $140 was also the same amount of money to add a spouse to your health plan. So in theory, they're saying at the University of Iowa, you work here, you and your spouse's healthcare is covered, done. That's the whole point of that 140. But if you're single, you can then research, again, FSA, HSA. Quick break from the show to remind you to hit that like and subscribe button so that way you get notifications of when more content like this gets released. So click that like and subscribe button. And with that, let's get back to the show. Covered things and you can go and you can use the money to buy massages. You could use it to purchase over-the-counter medicine that are um, prescribed. There's lists of, like you can buy Band-Aids, you can buy certain things. Again, go and research it, but dental care, first aid supplies, vision appointments, you can get uh, glasses with your FSA money from the school if they're just giving it to you as free money. So that's, again, something that you need to be looking into. The daycare um, spending account, typically it's capped at $5,000. Let's go back to the Google machine, daycare FSA, dependent dependent care, flex spending accounts. So the whole point of this is being able to use pre-tax dollars to pay for childcare. Yeah. So it's $5,000. Again, not a ton because especially for us at Towson, um, it was when they're young, childcare costs more. Uh, When both kids were in childcare, we were paying, you know, pretty much two, the price of two mortgages. So your $5,000 is gone after about two months, but it still allows you to use, uh, to be taxed lowered. So look into again, a daycare dependent act. If you have, um, if you have kids and you're paying for it, like you would want to be using pre-tax dollars And the way that it works is it essentially, let's say you max it out, uh, $5,000, you know, over every month. What's that math? $600. No, 
545, uh, you know what? I'm just going to do it right here for you. So rather than trying to sound silly, so $5,000 divided by 12. So four, $416 would come out of your account every month. It would then go into this hub of money in a bank account, and then you could let it accrue at the end of the year, take it all out and pay yourself back. Or if you needed the money every month, take it out every month. You just need to get the daycare provider to give you a receipt showing, you know, what their tax identification number is, how much you've paid. So that way, when you submit it, you can get your money back. And again, it's pre-tax dollars to help you offset some of the costs. Again, it might be in a drop in the bucket, but it's again, something that you should look into in my opinion, and something that I took advantage of when I was working at Towson did not need to do it at Iowa because we did not have kids. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the big high level things for you to look into when you get hired. What do you want for coverage? EPO versus PPO. Look into your healthcare, daycare, flex spending accounts. What can get covered? What does not get covered? And remember, you can research these things at the universities that you're going to be looking at. Do it beforehand so that way you're aware of you know all the pros and cons. And we're advising all of this. It gets back to the four Ps. All right, so remember the four Ps of a job. It's pay, personal life, career progression, sense of greater purpose. So if you can then understand if the pay is fixed, but you have a really good personal life because you're not required to you know, guard your desk, you have a good career progression because you have a good title and you have upward mobility and you have a sense of greater purpose because you get to program and you have some autonomy, but pay is kind of that, the thing that limits you from having a four out of four. Well, maybe this can help it be a 3.5 instead of a three because, okay, your money is fixed for your income, but you're understanding how to work and take and drain the most out of every possibility and every investment vehicle that is offered to you at your university. So remember, none of this is certified financial advice. Go talk to any of the professionals that are actual financial planners that actually work for the insurance companies. Like I said, you could talk to somebody from TIAA at your university to talk about how their retirement plans and their, those different vehicles that you can utilize. One last thing that I will say, we had Savannah uh, Arojo on the show two or three weeks ago. Anyways, she had talked about, you know, being able to invest with your, a rollover IRA. So one of the things that maybe you're not aware of, but if you've most recently been let go from your university or you separate from a prior employer, your old 401k, you can roll over into your new place. So let's say like for me, when I left, um, Iowa and I went to Towson, I was able to take the money from TIA and the Iowa account, roll it over into the Towson accounts. So now all the money's just right there. You can do that. You could roll it over into a different place. Like, so when Megan left her job, we were able to put it into a, our financial account or a financial advisor into their account in Charles Schwab. So you can roll it into that, or you could roll it into a self-directed IRA where you find a custodian that you now roll it over to that self-directed place. Um, it's in the custodian and then you then tell the custodian where you want the money invested. So again, those are things and options for you to look into. We're not advising you and telling you what to do one way or the other. We are simply telling you that these are some things out there that you can research on your own and you can find out more about, but these are things that most strength coaches are not talking about. And we're here to bridge that gap. We're here to talk about things and finances because yes, we love our job. But if you're not getting paid to do your job and you're not being financially compensated, so that way you're stressed out and you're not doing a good job taking care of your kids that you're training or your family, you're not being a good coach. So we've got to be able to take money off the table so you can understand how to best provide for your family so you can be a great 
husband, wife, father, mother, you get my point, spouse. And then that way you're a good coach because at the end of the day, it's about serving the athletes we work with. That's why we're doing all these shows, help you be a better coach so you can serve the athletes you work with. That's it, y'all. Have a great rest of your Finance Friday, and we'll talk soon. Later.